chapter 15, Freaking Good Questions. One of the improvements I've made in my speaking engagements is the result of a suggestion from someone in the audience. In lean speak terminology, this is going to the shop floor. I have always been very comfortable with people interrupting me in the middle of my talk to ask questions, but the suggestion was to allow 15 minutes for people to ask questions at the end of every talk. I began to implement this new idea. It worked so well that I decided to recap the top 10 questions people ask me. Some of them may be a little unusual, but all the more reason why it would be appropriate for me to answer them. I think a lot of people think these questions but are afraid to ask them. I will start with the most unusual but most common one. Question one, Paul. How do you feel about luxury? Answer? This is a very interesting question. I think it's asked because people see my desk and realize that I have no office and that I must be such a minimalist in the way I conduct myself in my business. They think, man, this guy must be opposed to luxury. He must be opposed to having anything nice. I can assure you nothing could be further from the truth. I'm awash in luxury in my life. I can afford luxuries that most people can't because I'm not wasting so much in the way I run my company. Lean is not an austerity program. Lean is eliminating non-value-added activity. We call that waste. If it's valuable for me to wear a beautiful Breitling watch, then that's not wasteful for me because I want Breitling to continue to make their artistic creations. If there is value in me flying my own plane around the world and it helps me do my job more effectively, then that is not wasteful. Lean is about eliminating non-value-added activity. A beautiful watch reminds me every second of the value of impeccable craftsmanship and attention to detail. My plane allows me to go anywhere at any time and gives me the value of total flexibility. There could be waste in how I maintain my plane, the way I fly my plane, or the missions I fly with my plane, and that is open to scrutiny and improvement. However, the very act of having an airplane or a nice watch or a nice car in and of itself is not waste. As a customer, I value the benefits of these accoutrements. These luxuries are the results of me carefully managing my capital, and I feel zero guilt over having them. Lean is not socialism. It is thoughtful capitalism. Obviously, what you do with such accoutrements could have elements of waste, but remember that is open to scrutiny and improvement by the owner of the luxury and no one else. Why do I say this? Because for all of us, rich or poor, we are awash in waste. Pointing fingers at someone else is not a kind thing to do and is definitely not as productive as solving your own problems. Luxury in and of itself is not waste. I love luxury. I have a lot of nice things and I can afford a lot of those things because I'm a lean thinker. I'm careful to see and eliminate waste at every corner. Question two, do you have a high or low turnover? Answer, we have a very low turnover. Vascap is a sought after place to work because it's a place where people feel validated. Their opinions and their ideas matter. 
In setting out to build a lean culture, one of my objectives was to make the HR portion of our company much less burdensome. If we created a dynamic company, we would become a magnet for talent rather than having to search for talent. Lean reduces employee turnover dramatically to the point where it's almost non-existent. Occasionally, we have an employee leave. Generally, it's only because they're going to school to pursue their dream of becoming a doctor, an attorney, a CPA, a teacher. Turnover is extremely low because we value human beings. I'll go off script here just for a minute. It's very common for people who leave us to come back to us. They leave for a year or two and they go, wow, I had no idea what kind of company I was working for. Is there any chance I could come back? And our response is, not yes, but absolutely. Because these people have a very clear vision on the uniqueness of what we're trying to do at FastCap, and that is grow people. We are in the human being business. We are not in the technical, analytical business. We are growing people and changing people's lives. Question three, do you ever get people that don't get it and don't want to cooperate? Answer, absolutely. In the beginning, at least 50% of the people that worked at FastCap either left or we fired them. Nowadays, it's very uncommon for us to have someone who doesn't get it. The reason is twofold. First, we are very deliberate in the way we hire people. We look for two characteristics people who are humble and curious. We want people who don't act and feel like they know it all. We want people to be naturally curious about life. The minute we get someone in an interview who tells us about everything they know and is not really intrigued about what we're doing and the way we conduct ourselves as a company, we know that this person doesn't really possess the characteristics we need in our team members. We need humble, curious people. That's why we're so deliberate in the way we hire. The second reason is that our culture is so strong and positive, it only takes a few weeks for a person to absorb it. When you create a culture that's firm and consistent, then naturally it's going to be very easy for people to understand the way you think. There will always be someone who doesn't want to get on board. In the beginning, it was difficult. Now it's easy. One of my favorite sayings is, Lean is hard work that makes everything easy. That is for sure. To better understand what our culture feels like through the eyes of a young new employee, check out the video on Hannah in the interview I did with her. It's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. You know, I always tell people it's really as simple as this. When we hire someone, we hire for character, we teach for skill. Skill is wonderful, and we love people who come to us with great skill. But if they don't come to us with a humble attitude and a servant attitude and a learning attitude, it doesn't matter how much skill they have. There will always be friction, and there will always be waste. And that is just not what our company is about. We're about serving our customer, and the attitude of humility and learning is the key to all that happening. Question number four, do you do lean at home and what is your house like? I got to tell you, this is my favorite question to answer. So here we go. I love lean. I improve everything. 
I do lean everywhere I go, whether I'm on vacation, at home, at work, or flying my plane. I am constantly trying to refine processes, eliminate waste, and make things easier. Most people are a little disconcerted by someone who is so fanatical about lean. But I can assure you, lean brings great joy to my life. I get so much more done than most people. As a result of people asking me, do you do lean at home? I've made several videos showing people what my house looks like and how I've implemented lean in my home. Here's a fun one to give you a glimpse. Lean at home. The things that I do are so easy because I think lean everywhere I go. My wife and I have just spent the entire weekend implementing lean improvements to our closets. Today, our closets are magical. My wife has a special closet that she uses for decorations for our house for the different seasons. She has special decorations for the 4th of July, spring, fall, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. The house is always very festive and beautiful. The problem was that her decorations were not very well organized. So I asked, how can we make this process better? I worked with my wife for two straight days. We made her the most amazing closet. All of her flower arrangements are precisely put away. Her wreaths are hung beautifully and all the different candles are in separate bins. So now when it's time to decorate our house, it's a simple process. My wife enjoys it and there's nothing burdensome about it. That's why lean is so cool. Lean takes things that traditionally could be difficult or arduous and makes them simple and fun. And you have the added benefit of exercising your mind because it becomes a big game about how to improve everything you do. The goal of lean is to have zero struggle. Question five. What do you do about people who don't get it and don't buy into lean in the way they do their work? Do you point out their waste? Answer, this is perhaps one of my favorite questions as well because most people don't understand the basics of lean. You and I have enough waste in each of our lives to last 10 lifetimes. Do not look at anybody else's waste, only yours. I made this point really clear recently in a tour at our company. Some people from another manufacturing company visited our facility. They were on the manufacturing side of the company. After the tour was over, one of the individuals said, I want to know how we can implement lean in the office. I looked at him and asked, why? Are you in the office? I thought you said you were on the manufacturing floor. He replied, we are, but our office is so screwed up. Then I said, That is one of the biggest mistakes you will ever make in your whole life. Focus on yourself. Focus on eliminating your waste. Believe me, you have enough waste for 10 lifetimes. When people see how much your area has improved, how much easier your work is, how much more they can depend on you, how consistent you are, and how the quality of your product improves, they will want to know how you're doing it. Then you can show them, and then they will be eager to learn and begin their own lean journey. But do not try to get your wife, your dog, your hamster, your cat, or your coworker to do lean. Focus on yourself. 
You and I have so much waste. This has been one of the most critical points that I've learned in the last couple of years as I've talked to people in toured manufacturing plants and companies around the world. Focus, focus, focus on yourself. Question six, do you give your employees incentives to improve? Answer, in the beginning we did, and this was perhaps one of the biggest mistakes we made. We have since learned that lean is our job. It is not something we do above and beyond our job. Continuous improvement is everyone's first and foremost job every day of their life. The first incentive for making lean improvements is that life keeps getting better when you're thinking lean. When we gave monetary incentives, we felt that people were making the improvements because they wanted the 5 or $10 incentive for every improvement they made. When we took the incentive away and said, this is your job, your job depends on it, people realized that we were serious about lean. We hired them because we wanted to use their brains, not just their hands. This is a game changer because most people don't feel like they're appreciated for what they contribute intellectually to the job. They feel that we just want them to build widgets. We changed the paradigm and said, your value is in your mind. When we did that, people got on board at an entirely different level. It is my humble opinion that paying people to do lean is a mistake. Giving incentives takes the emphasis off of what the purpose of a company is. The purpose of a company is to improve the quality of the customer's life. The purpose of a company is to deliver value at a very high level to the customer. The purpose of a company is to strip away non-value-added activity and allow value to flow to the customer day after day, month after month, year after year. When you do that, Your stature increases in the eyes of your customer. Your customer keeps coming back for more, and then you make more money. When you set the focus of each team member on making continuous improvement every day for the rest of their life, it changes the paradigm. It takes the focus off of them and puts it back on the customer. It frees team members to focus on collaborating with one another to deliver more value to the customer. The second incentive for making lean improvements is that they earn the respect from the customer, their team members, and from me. Every human being longs to be respected, but most people never get it. Question seven, what if I don't want to be efficient in everything I do? I like walking around. I get more exercise. Answer, this is your prerogative. What you must understand is that lean is hard work that makes everything easy. A little bit of effort can make your life experience a lot more enjoyable. When you couple the concept that lean is hard work that makes everything easy with a global perspective, then you'll know why I pursue lean in such an intense fashion. I have come to learn that time is the great equalizer Every human being gets 24 hours in a day, and what we do with that 24 hours, rich or poor, educated or uneducated, 
determines the effectiveness, the success and happiness that we will enjoy in life. If you are a highly productive individual who is highly disciplined and reliable to your team members, your family, and the other people you work with, it goes without saying that you will have a better life experience. If you're an unproductive person that doesn't get a lot done, is not reliable to your team members, your family, and the other people you work with, then inevitably there's going to be more disappointment and more friction in your life. Lean allows you to optimize more out of those 24 hours. When you get really good at lean and very proficient at seeing waste, you will take 24 hours and seemingly get 48 hours out of them. I say this a little tongue-in-cheek, but when people come to our plant and see the way our people work, the smiles on their faces, and the collaboration that exists among all of our team members, they're a little taken back by such a positive environment. My response is, I put my people up against anybody else in the world. Why? Because in just eight hours, my people get done what most people get done in 40 hours. People have a hard time believing we could be that much more productive. At FastCap, work flows so naturally that people don't struggle to do their work. They enjoy their work. They have emotional energy when they do their work, and the net result is significantly higher productivity. Again, you don't have to do lean, but remember, time is the great equalizer, What you do with those 24 hours in large measure defines who you are and the happiness you will enjoy each and every day of your life. Question eight. Ashley from the UK asked, our workload has increased so much recently and we are struggling with the physical time to make the improvements even when working overtime. It's hard to have a meeting every day and stand there and say, I know we had this problem yesterday, but we just haven't had the time to fix it. My employees are really focusing on ways to come up with great improvement ideas, but the list of possible improvements is starting to get backed up because we don't have the time to implement them. Any thoughts? Answer. Sometimes it makes no sense to stop and do 3Sing and improvement when the workload is overwhelming. So I will answer the question by telling a story about what happened at FastCap. Many years ago, we worked overtime regularly, even on the weekends because our workload was so great. We seemed to never be able to catch up, and when I said to everybody, stop, stop, stop working, we're going to clean our area, we're going to 3S everything, we're going to make improvements, and if it takes us one hour or even four hours every day to do it, I don't care. We're going to do it, and then we're going to work. Now, as you can imagine, there was great angst amongst all the employees because they thought they would do nothing but get further and further behind. I assured them that if we took the time to improve and create an orderly, clean, and well-organized work area, they would actually get more work done and they would catch up. So we went ahead and made the commitment to 3Sing and improving regardless of the workload. And behold, we caught up. Not only did we catch up, but we do millions of dollars more in business with a similar size crew, and we never work overtime. This is the difference between making continuous improvement a priority or doing it when it's convenient. 
Improving first not only gives you the improvement, it lightens the load and allows you to keep up with accelerating demand. It is counterintuitive, and I understand this, but I've learned this lesson and I am 100% committed to it. We make sure that our work areas are 3S and that everyone has made a two-second improvement before we ever begin our production work. When work flows, chaos is eliminated. Lean is not just a convenient belief. It is at the cornerstone of great companies. The more that lean becomes a consuming priority, the faster work will flow and improvements will pay the dividends of operational excellence. Question nine. Another question from Ashley. Motivation. When it's all getting you down and it's one of those days, how do you motivate yourself? Bear in mind, This is the early days for lean for our company, so it isn't self-powered yet. My employees look to me for their motivation, so seeing me down has a negative effect. Any tips? Answer. Ashley, as always, you ask excellent questions. I'll be honest with you. I've had those moments. I've had a very rich life, and I don't mean financially. I have a lot of joy and success in my life, and I have a lot of good relationships with people around the world. And I credit all of that to the fact that I have chosen to follow historical principles of greatness. In other words, the choices that I have made in my life have been determined by principles that have produced great results throughout history. These principles that when implemented by any human being throughout the course of time have produced astounding results, not good results, astounding results. The best example for me is the principles followed by our founding fathers. All men are created equal. The result is a country that has done more good for more people than any organized form of government in the history of man. Not perfect, far from it. But that single idea has become the touchstone for people from every nation. Millions are free today because of the principles that produce great results. My favorite principles make people the center focus of your life. This is perhaps my favorite. Another one, pursue the right thing over profit. The profit will follow. Another one, teach and train. Anytime you train an individual intensely, you dramatically enhance their ability to perform a job consistently, significantly more so than those people who are only moderately or occasionally trained. The best example of teaching and training is the Navy SEALs. When you take people that have been trained at such a high level and put them into stressful situations, they perform consistently 99% of the time. I ask myself, if I take these principles and make them the centerpiece of the way I conduct my life, it is inevitable that I'm going to get a great result. So, on those days when I question, wow, do I really want to do this anymore? This is a lot of work. Do people appreciate it? This is hard. 
I always reflect back on the fact that I have done the hard thing. I have put my head down and just plowed forward by implementing these principles. That is why my life is full and rich. These ideas produce great results. So I am never going to deviate from following these principles. Historically, they have produced sustainability, evenness, joy, satisfaction, and yes, profit. A focus on others brings me enjoyment and happiness. If I weren't focused on helping people, I wouldn't have the rich relationships that I have with people around the world. That keeps me motivated. What motivates me is a historical body of work that screams that these principles and ideas work. Don't give up. Question 10. Sam from Israel asked, I just watched your video about making lean stick. As always, I love the focus and simplicity of your message. But I was wondering about a hypothetical question. From what I understand from you and the book, the two-second lean approach was developed a few years after your lean journey began. Do you think that if you had started with the three-step approach you referred to in the video, teach people to see ways, get them to fix what bugs them, and make before and after videos, that you would have been able to come as far as you have? For example, in chapter two of your book, you described how you guys got the setup time on your machines down from 45 minutes to five minutes. Do you think if you had started with the two-second lean approach, you would have been able to do that? Or in other words, how do you go from a two-second lean concept, which seems to be more locally focused, to a solution that affects the entire system from end to end? It's possible that I don't understand the concept fully, so I may be misrepresenting it when I say it is locally focused. Answer, Sam makes an excellent point. With two-second lean, I seem to be focused on making small improvements, and it appears that I'm not a proponent of Kaizen events. Yet when Brad and John first came to our facility to teach us, they utilized Kaizen events as a primary method to drive improvement. First, you should know that the very reason we have such powerful results at FastCap is because of the two-second lean approach. I promise there is more than meets the eye, or I have not done a good job of explaining all the behind-the-scenes processes that are focused on the big picture the entire value stream. My focus with Two Second Lean was to develop an easy strategy that would allow people to build a lean culture and be successful in getting everyone on board. Over the last 11 years, I have found that it is the small incremental improvements that do the best job and in fact do a better job than large Kaizen events. Having said that, It doesn't mean that Kaizen events don't have value. They just are not my preferred strategy. And that brings us to Global Lean. I think of this as Global Lean because at the end of the day, everybody has to understand that what we're trying to do in any process, big or small, is take the waste out. We want to allow maximum value to flow to the customer. When you take the initial look at any process, it is important that you look at it globally. You should not just focus on removing a small amount of waste from a particular step because that step in and of itself might be waste. 
You can remove all the waste you want out of a process, but the bottom line is that the process itself might not deliver value to the customer. This would be a classic example of over-processing. Stand back. Ask yourself, what is it that we're trying to do for the customer here? What value are we trying to flow to the customer? First, look at it from this global perspective in conjunction with making small incremental improvements. I failed in my quest to make things simple by not giving proper attention to a global perspective. Our people have a global perspective, but I never discuss that in how we achieve this critical component. Every day we teach our team a series of principles that make up the core of our corporate philosophy. One of those principles is that Toyota never attempts to remove the waste out of any process unless they can cut it in half. At first glance, this principle does not seem to jive with the concept of two-second lean. However, in reality, it dovetails perfectly. Our team knows that the goal is to take a process from 10 minutes and turn it into five minutes and five minutes to two and a half minutes. They see the big picture and the brush that applies the paint is the two second improvement. The mechanics of how they're going to get there is done through small incremental improvements. Our team also knows to look for the largest constraint. They have been trained to understand that the bottleneck, the biggest backup in work in a particular process is the best place to start to eliminate waste. They also know to ask themselves, is the activity that I'm doing delivering value to the customer or is it just a process that has been added on? Am I trying to eliminate waste even though the process is delivering no value? They understand these three concepts keenly. They understand that we don't want to do anything unless we're delivering value to the customer. If we put a plastic bag around an item, is there any value for the customer? Sure, it's nice to put a plastic bag around an item, but is there any value in it? If there's no value... We're not going to try to improve the process by reducing the size of the bag or finding a faster way to put the bag on. If the bag adds no value for the customer, it is waste. A great example of this is the packaging of Apple products. Recently, I bought another iMac for our company. I was surprised when I opened the box. There was a minimal amount of packaging, less than the last time I bought one six months ago. I noticed that they didn't have a plastic bag around the computer. The computer was sandwiched between two pieces of foam with a power cord and a small manual enclosed. That was it. I was almost shocked that there wasn't more of the typical voluminous amounts of packaging and waste that accompanies most products in today's marketplace. Apple has clearly understood that this is of no benefit to the customer, and I actually ended up feeling even better about the product when I saw how thoughtfully it was packaged with so little waste. It's imperative that employees understand the eight wastes. It's imperative that they understand that the goal is to cut everything in half, not just make little incremental improvements. The incremental improvements are the tools we use to cut everything in half, yet they're always looking at the big picture as a result of the teaching and training we do on a daily basis in our morning meetings. 
global lean is an important concept that I may have overlooked or not identified clearly enough in my previous writings, but I'm taking the time now to clarify it is just as important to have a global perspective as it is to have a two-second lean perspective. Both work in tandem to produce a successful culture and allow value to flow to the customer. Another way we develop a global picture at FastCap is through the great diet of material that we digest on a regular basis in our teaching and training. Books like The Toyota Way, 14 Principles of Operational Excellence, and Art Burns' book, The Lean Turnaround, are just a few of the examples of the dozens of books we read to improve our understanding of lean. Recently on my show, The American Innovator, I said our goal is for everything to be struggle-free or to have zero struggle in every activity. A listener, Shannon, wrote, wow, that makes lean so tangible. The idea that every activity should have zero struggle or be struggle-free means in lean terminology that there should be no Murray. M-U-R-I equals the Japanese word for burden or struggle. Mura, that psychotic woman, M-U-R-A, or psychotic boyfriend. It could be psychotic boyfriend too. Don't get mad at me. Unevenness or variation. And then muda, M-U-D-A, which equals waste. And muda comes from mura, psychotic crazy people, and Murray burdensome, heavy people. And ultimately, Murray, burden, and Murrah, variation, produce Muda, which is waste. And we're all trying to get rid of waste, right? Carl Wadsden says we're at war with Muda, right? We're at war with waste. Well, where does waste come from? It comes from variation and burden. Waste, which is a result of burden, which produces unevenness or lack of flow, which makes everything a struggle. So when we say we're trying to have zero struggle, it's all starting to make a little more sense, isn't it? If you have no burden, then you will have evenness, which reduces waste, removes the struggle, and lets value flow to the customer. In layman's terms, zero struggle. Sums up beautifully the goal of lean and why it is so important that everything should flow. Flow is exactly what two-second lean delivers to the shop floor. Two-second lean is the lean approach to implementing lean. Lean is so much about flow and evenness. Kaizen events, well, they have the ability to produce positive results, as they did in the early years at FastCap, did not prove to be the best model for us. In my mind, Kaizen events are essentially the batchwork application of lean principles. They do not introduce flow to the shop floor. They are by nature disruptive. They require you to stop for a day, a week, or whatever it takes for everyone to focus on a particular area. And this creates unevenness and even a burden to the system. I think the two-second lean approach is successful because it just asks for small improvements on a daily basis at a prescribed time, the first thing in the morning before you begin your normal production. In doing this, you introduce flow to improvements and you don't introduce unevenness to the production floor. 
Two-second lean is the lean principle applied in an even and consistent way that allows continuous improvement to flow through any organization. Don't you love that word flow? It is so critical to understanding high-level lean. Shannon also wrote, what lean all boils down to is this. Lean is really the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Lean makes the person doing the work a real-time advocate for the customer. The customer can't be on the shop floor making sure value is being delivered, but a well-trained, lean-thinking team member is the ultimate customer advocate. Lean is delivering to the customer only value-added activity. If you were the customer, that's what you would want. As a producer of anything, whether food, electronics, software, cars, medical care, my real role is a perpetual advocate on the shop floor for the customer. As a customer, I can get really excited about the idea that any organization is so focused that intently on serving me. Global Lean has many facets, but real-time, shop floor, Customer Advocate might be the best example of Global Lean. I have learned so much as a result of my collaborating with others. I deliberately seek to give credit, not seek and get credit. The result is a dynamic, collaborative culture where everyone can learn and improve at every turn. Sam, Shannon, as well as thousands of others have made a profound difference in helping me understand the power of being a lean thinker. Isaac, another listener and great lean thinker, recently sent this email after watching an American Innovator show. Paul, most adults have lost the childlike excitement you have about life and discovery. It is so refreshing to see how excited you are about life and the prospect of continuous learning. I am excited about two-second lean, global lean, collaboration lean, advocate lean, golden rule lean, and dare I say, kindergarten lean. The one thing, lean is the golden rule. Great videos to watch are the interview with Hannah, Lean at Home 1, and Lean at Home 2.